This is the Land Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another Land and Legacy podcast. We've got a great one for you this week with a special guest, Mr. Ben Harshine of Whitetail Properties and Hunt Terra Maps. He is joining me on this podcast. Before we jump into today's content, though, just want to make sure everyone's aware of Pipple Power Sports, a local Can Am dealer to us here in the Midwest, but they can serve everyone in their location and offer fantastic opportunities for the Can-Am Defender. Get yourself into an upgraded model, the Land and Legacy package. Make sure you reach out to Pitbull Power Sports to ask them about what all that entails and all the benefits that you get from owning the Can-Am Defender Land and Legacy model. Alrighty, guys, let's just jump into today's content because truthfully, don't know exactly how it's going to all come together. All I know is I've got a whitetail killer, a big buck land selling real estate agent on the line right here with me, Mr. Ben Harshine. How are you, sir? I'm great, Matt. It's good. It's good to see you, buddy. I know it. I know it. I I love the fact that for those listening to the podcast, we're recording through a software kind of like Zoom. So Ben and I are actually able to see each other right now. Um, but what cool technology we get to be able to like from a distance, right? Be able to connect, uh, have conversation. And honestly, I think that's probably the the heartbeat of this call and podcast is, man, just like the value of relationships and networking. Um, it wasn't a couple days ago that uh, you reached out, you had a, a client of yours interested in consultation and working together to get that scheduled and, you know, for, for him and down the road. And but that's just, you know, scratching the surface of kind of what has taken place over the past probably five to ten years of of knowing Ben Harshine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty cool, you know the 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 old saying of life is flying, right? It's cliche. Um, I've got a eight year old son now. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem like it was very long ago when when we met, right? You know, you guys were, you know, uh, came fresh out of school and you're you're working in the field with another biologist, um, and right around the same time when I started Huntera, and it, you know, I just I I wanted to meet you guys, right? And so right. when we moved out out here, I made a trip whenever you guys had some sort of seminar that. Uh, in Illinois, I remember driving over and meeting you guys for the first time. And, you know, I think that like-minded people, people that share similar values and goals in life, and obviously a passion for the outdoors, um, you know, it's easy to stick with each other, uh, throughout life. Right. Yeah. And so we've all, we've, we've had our own channels and avenues that we've, we've pursued and, uh, you know, in multiple ways we've been brought back together here. So it's totally. been a little while since I, I talked with you. I mean, aside from <clears throat> introducing you to uh, to the landowner here uh, last week, it, it has been a little while, yeah. but I figured we'd pick up right where we left off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that, that's why I like, you know, you can tell 
um, organic, right, authentic type relationships where it's like, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while, but man, like you just hit it right back off and, you know, you, you go and you pick up where you left off. And it's always been like that uh, with yourself. And, and it's fun to find people like that um, in, a, in a similar industry, let's say, um, who's doing good things, who's treating people right. That's the kind of people you want to you want to circle your your wagons around. Um, but man, we, we've got a, a, a cool story. And, and I think your story and evolution of business owner to then landowner in the Midwest, moving a family to the Midwest, to then buying that first piece of ground and, and having that uh, euphoric feeling of like, man, I, I own this piece. Then recently having success on that property. I, I, I just... To me, that's captivating because, like, that's the kind of aha moments that we like to have with our clients. And you've had that in your own rite of passage, and 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 you also have your way with clients because you're a Whitetail Properties agent and a and a team lead for the state of Iowa. Um, you have your own like massive career revolving around getting people outdoors on their land. So I just think that. The conversation's one going to go great, but I just want to hear about it because it gets me excited because I, I enjoy doing that myself and I'm sure you do the same, right? So if you will, kick us off from like maybe start of Huntera to, to getting out here um, because I, I, I love the, we're, we certainly had humble beginnings and the way you got started with Huntera, I, I love that, that story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so... I went to school for mapping, for cartography. Um, I, at the time, I was a struggling engineering student. I could not pass calculus one, and, and, and the advisor said, hey, let me give you some advice, right? Choose a different major. And that, was, <laughs> right. that, that, was, that was the ouch. That was the beginning of it all, right? Because I, I felt like I needed to do something, but I wasn't any good at it. But I, you know, so I started exploring other classes, and I got into maps, and it, it was just, it was niche, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and so, you know, with maps, I mean, there's, you can go down a lot of different wormholes with what you can do with that field. But I was into the design of maps. I, I was always intrigued by graphic design and art and whatnot. So I, I enjoyed cartography and producing, designing maps. So that's what my emphasis was on. And then I, 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 uh, I got a job as a, my entry level job out of college was with a government contractor in, in Washington. So like many, many people, I, I, I moved down there to kickstart my career and, uh, and it was great. I mean, I, I had a, I had a phenomenal career, mm -hmm. a phenomenal job. I was very fortunate to work where, where I worked, um, in the intelligence community, uh, using my, my field that I studied Right. Um, and it, but it would have been just by accident where I started Huntera. Uh, I made a map for my dad for Father's Day. Um, and it's big timber country in Western PA. That's where I'm originally from. Shout out to anybody that's living in uh, Pennsylvania. I'm, I'm from the small town of Shalakta, right outside of Indiana, Pennsylvania. So one love to all of my uh, 724 and 412 area code homies. <laughs> but. Uh, How close is that to Unionville or Uniontown? Yeah. It's, I think it's Uniontown. 
Yeah, man. I'll I have family down you, there. I'm, I know. I'm way better with the Iowa geography <laughs> than Pennsylvania <laughs> geography, which is a little yeah, yeah. bit embarrassing. But, uh, but anyways, I mean, yeah. Not, I, you know, I grew up on the outskirts of the, the Pittsburgh fringe. Okay, so and, you're, anyway. you're within an hour then. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so anyways, you know, made a map for my dad, and he thought that was really cool. It, it kind of it showed all the ridges and valleys really well. Mm-hmm. The different terrain features that we look for as hunters, uh, as when we were bow hunting, I was just getting into yeah. bow hunting. Um, we weren't hunting a bunch of edge; we were really ho- hunting terrain, and so that was cool because even though like we spent a lot of time there, the map revealed intricacies and finer sure. details that are different than the paradigm you have in your mind. Yes. And yes. and 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 so it was like, man, this is not only beautiful and and kind of a. It's a it's a piece that like we can that means something to us. We yeah. Can put, he put on the wall and it means something. I raised my boy hunting here, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also is functionally it's informational. It's good information. So I'm like, yeah. his his friends ended up saying, yeah, I'll buy some maps from you and and then right at that same time, Midwest Whitetail just came out in the very beginning. Winky mm-hmm. um, started Midwest Whitetail. So I started, I watched that from the beginning. Dad and I bought a bow hunt in Illinois with Aaron Milliken, still one of my best okay, friends yeah. to this day. He's, 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 uh, our, our main broker in the, in the, in the West for Whitetail Properties. Yep. Um, we bought a hunt through Milliken when he had his outfitting business, we came out and it was just like, man, this is amazing out here. You know, this right. is awesome. And so, um, every year we'd go on this bow hunt. It was fun with Milliken, but it was, it was, we had a great time hunting and, and, and he bought some maps from me and I just kind of organically made some maps. Well, one day Whitetail Properties Real Estate calls me up. I was actually in the tree stand. It was in October. Nice. And he, they, they left a voicemail. Yeah, we'd like to meet you and talk about these maps that you're making with Hunterra yeah. and how we could work with each other. So I, I uh, my next trip out, I blew a couple days off or I blew a day off Um from our hunt and drove down to Pittsfield and met with Paul Sawyer yep. and Milliken. And my dad was with us and it was in a bakery in Pittsfield. And, uh, I remember showing that, you know, I have his all, had all my maps, you know, these field, little field maps are beautiful prints, you know, nice farms that Milliken had us hunting on. And I showed them to Paul and he kind of looked at them and he was, he's, he's, Paul Sawyer's a pretty tough cookie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Said, well, these are pretty nice. These are pretty nice. And, and <laughs> you know, I said, it. hey, let's make some maps for the television show. Yeah. Uh, he's like, well, you're going to need to talk with the editor, right? Jeremy Putnam at the time. So I, we walked mm-hmm. down the street and he introduced me to Putnam. And and this is like 2009, I think. Okay. Uh, and I'm like, I can make better maps for you to kind of separate yourselves from like everybody else using Google Earth. You do this right. really cool breakdown the hunt segment. Let me make the maps for you, and then Putnam can do all the fancy animation. And so sure. I went back to you know back home in Northern Virginia and 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 really fine tuned and ramped up the, the 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 look of the brand, the style of the map. And next thing you know, Hunter's on Whitetail Properties Real Estate, Sportsman's Channel, end of the show. You know, all maps of the show brought to you yep. by Huntera, and it was just like. And this is pretty cool. And yeah, sure, we started getting orders. Right, we right. offer these different prints, and 
from there it just snowballed, man. It just, I mean, we just grew organically, started networking with you know, Midwest Whitetail, Heartland Bowhunter, and, and the Koskis, Major right. League Bow, like all, all these different guys that are in the whitetail space and uh, just spread the word. They helped me spread the word of, of with Huntera. So grew it in the basement of my house, really. Um, four years uh, juggling two jobs. One is Huntera and the other one was my, my real job in the, mm-hmm. in, in the intelligence community. And, and then we ended up... Uh, we were so busy that we decided we're going to go for it. We're either going to do this or not. We didn't have a child yet, so we packed yep. up, and, and I knew we needed to be in the Midwest. Um, and so that's what we did. We sold everything, uh, moved moved out here, and, you know, it, it was, uh, it was what, very What year was that when you moved? 2014. Okay. I'm trying to remember so, where I was at because I, I can remember – whether it's social media, social media, I believe, um, when you had moved out because you had bought the RV and basically pulled pulled the RV and everything out. And I, re- yeah, I had- remember seeing the photos and stuff of that. I was like, that dude's going to get it. Like, he's on a mission. He's going to go get it. Yeah, yeah. We bought this old Airstream originally yeah. to go to outdoor shows. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we'll camp in it too. And then we realized, man... It, this is our chapter of our lives right now in between small business ownership and the nine to five. Yep. This gap during the summertime, we're going to take and we're going to hit the road. So we lived on the road for, for, uh, like let's see, June, July, August, like four months. And yeah, it was amazing. It was, it was just, uh, it was the, one of the best moments of, or periods of time and, Kate in my life. I mean, it was sure. awesome just exploring the, the country, and uh, we used the the you know obviously the what we called the mobile map cave was uh, our office and where we mm-hmm. stayed and everything, and it was it was uh, it was good. It was kind of cool promotion for what we were doing as well. Sure, uh, not not that that was really our goal was to do that, but it was to see the country, and yep, that was amazing because. You know, we're mapping all these different places where we never have been, right? All yeah. these beautiful ranches and everything out west. And whenever you're actually there and you can see it, especially in the west, I mean, you realize how big it is. It's just... Oh, yeah. The expanse. Just, uh, very, very impactful. So, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we had a pretty pretty neat ride. But, yeah, going for it is the key word. I mean, mm-hmm. or a key phrase. I We, we didn't have, uh, you know, a pile of money, right? Right. Uh, we didn't have investors or anything like that. Not, I mean, I'm not cutting on anybody that grew their sure. businesses that way. I'm just saying that Yeah, some people will look at what we have done and say, man, what a glorious ride. And it, it was far from it. There were a lot of, lot of tears sacrifices. and sleep, yeah. sleepless nights and sacrifices and questioning yep. yourself and friction with people that didn't mm-hmm. agree with it. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, it's a bumpy road. And, That's it. And uh, we, we kept after it. We grew our network. We we tried to make a product that people would be proud to hang on their wall. Yep. And we never strayed from that. And uh, and so it's you know it's just all kind of one step after the next. That's uh, it. One foot in front of the other. Head down. Grind it out. 
stick to what you know and what you can do really well and focus on that because there's so many different avenues that you can go. It feels like in the, in a startup in a young business was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it really well. And there's a spot for that. And when I stick to it and I'm diligent, it's my core competency. I'm just, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it work. But man, those thoughts that can creep into your head along the way, it's like, Oh gosh. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun to be like, okay, get like some of those early years behind you. Um, you're always still grinding, but I feel like once you have that mentality, like that, that extra gear doesn't go away, but mm-hmm. the getting into that other gear is like, wow, that journey is tough. It's tough. It is. And so you trust your gut on things, you know, and I, I mean, to this day, the demons still come out deep in the night, man. Mm-hmm. The, wor- mm-hmm. the worrisome times still wake up in the middle of the night and you're worrying and the world is caving in on you, right? Because you've got yeah. big goals, big dreams, you're making big moves, and you're trying to, and there's a lot of stress there. So, you know, the journey is far from over by any means. Sure. But, but um, yeah, we've had, we've had Hunterra for 14 years now, which is... I'm very proud to say that, you know, small businesses yeah. survive that long and, yep. and, and, uh, it's a very niche service. A lot of people thought, well, you should create an app. And I agree. Like our brand could have probably had a great app if we mm-hmm. put the right resources behind it. But, you know, we didn't want to do that. We just wanted to make sweet maps that, it, that epitomize the, you know, represent the American dream, which is sure. ownership. And yeah. there's always going to be a need for that, right? So, um, we stayed in our lane, and and it's been it's been good. You don't always have to grow and get bigger and do all these extra things. I, I, I'm sim- simple is key, right? Yeah. You could say that yeah. a lot with even what you guys are doing with your consultations and everything. You know? Totally, totally. So, so how how did how did that then translate? Well, I guess, it, I mean, it's a, it's a natural transition, let's say, to actually go, <clears throat> you have tangible maps, right? But but then get your hands on on land, right? The, the, the dream, if you're looking at maps all day long, is like, well, first you have to fall in love with your, what you're mapping with, which is land. But, but then how do you get your hands on that Midwest land, that, that dirt, and say, here I am, this is the piece, I, I'm going to work this one kind of walk us through then like that next little stage of, um, I believe it's termed or called blackjack, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so once we came out here, fast forward, you know, what well, I mean, close to, oh, it's 2024, 10 years later, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that happened from when we yeah. first moved out here to, to eventually buying blackjack, um, which we, we purchased blackjack in February of 22, and I've I started uh, working for Whitetail Properties as a as a land specialist in Eastern Iowa in 2017, um, and uh, focused on you know uh, helping connect people with with ground right, so yeah. helping people sell their land for whatever whatever reason that is. And there's many reasons why people sell what they own, uh, and and helping uh, somebody want to have the next chapter on it right so yep. um it w- it took me you know from the time we moved out here like eight years to 
feel good about buying a piece of land. Yeah. Right? I mean, yep. we had financial goals with our business and mm-hmm. there's a lot of, lot of things that happened. Right. Totally. But when, when that, I had the chance to, to buy that, that property, um, it just made a lot, it made a lot of sense to me. Like mm-hmm. it's that feeling of like, when you know, like you, you'll know when you know, right. I remember yeah. somebody yeah. telling me that it's like, well, what does that mean? You just, you do. Yeah. We, yep. Even with this house that we own today, it's like, we just, we went in there like, yeah, this is our spot. We'll take yeah. it. You know, I think that there's like this kind of like that. natural conviction almost that you're like, no, this is like, you know, you always know what you dream of and what will check those boxes. And I feel like I'm not saying that there's a, a spiritual connection, obviously to any type of house or any type of land, but there still is like this emotional, um, I feel safe. This is what I'm comfortable doing. You have that conviction of like, no, this, this is the one for me. This is, this is what, this is where I should be right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes that decision easy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there there were some there were some underlying reasons why that specific piece of ground really mattered to me. There's a pretty deep right. story about about that that I'm I'm just not wanting to share right sure. now. Right, it's kind of special to me and some close friends. Yep. Um, but the fact is that I knew that 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 was the one we were ready to make. We were going to make a jump on into land ownership, right. and it's it's a scary thing. Like. They say the first one is the, the hardest, right? And and it, yeah. it, it was still tough. I mean, I remember asking the landowner, like, "Are you okay with me? <laughs> are you okay with me buying this?" Yeah, and yeah. he was like, "Absolutely! Like, I want you to own it." You know? Yeah. I mean, right. So, like, it's like I needed that double reassurance that it was, you know. But it, I mean, once you do it, you, you run the numbers. You know, you're going to be able to make the payments and uh, right. You know, it, it, it just, uh, you go for it. And mm-hmm. once, once it's like, once you get a purchase agreement together, like the stress kind of dissipates, you work towards closing, you're big, de- yep. you're past your big decision, right? You come to terms with somebody yep. and then you just look forward to what you're going to do on it. Totally. Totally. So blackjack is, is 40 acres, correct? Are we lagging? No, there was a slight lag right there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I asked. Blackjack is forty acres, correct? It's forty. Yeah, forty-two acres, and I call it blackjack because forty-two of the, acres. Yeah, and I call it blackjack because of the uh, when we were walking it with the forester, we found a couple blackjack oaks on the on the property, mm. and. My understanding is that the southern Iowa is the very northern fringe of blackjack oaks. Would you agree with that? Yeah, or? yeah. No, I, I definitely would. Yeah, there, there's very few um, that would have run across in that portion of, uh, of Iowa. North Missouri is kind of like that barrier, let's say, that, that top-end distribution line of, of blackjack. But also, very you're going to see a blackjack oak on old prairies. Um, the big wolf trees. So that that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're gnar- They're a gnarly tree, and the the forester. Yeah, they are. Was stoked. I mean, he was he was all fired. Oh, like this is a blackjack oak. This is awesome. We end up finding three or four of them, um, in random places 
on the property. So I'm like, yeah, be a cool name. We'll name him Blackjack. So yeah, Blackjack, yeah. But, yeah, very cool. So you get a you get your hands on Blackjack. Um, you're obviously a whitetail hunter, a bow hunter, mm-hmm. but also a land manager too. Then how do you take, okay, not only I've got this new piece of ground, this new now responsibility to Blackjack to, to steward it, um, but you also have goals and visions and dreams of what's going to take place hunting-wise on Blackjack. What's those next logical steps for you in that management phase of owning Blackjack? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, my first like I had an idea of what it was and, and, and what it was and still kind of what it is, is a small property in a great area for deer management. Mm-hmm. There's big tracks of ground there. I'm one of the smaller guys on the block with 40 acres. This area is proven, but I wanted a place that wasn't tricked out. I wanted to be able to improve it. And it's yeah. essentially an overstocked, just an overstocked white oak hickory timber. I mean, there's really yeah. nothing super exciting about it it's 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 really rugged so it's got it's got a lot of elevation change and Mm -hmm. like for me coming from big timber when i grew like my roots are big timber hunting not farm country and so it, it was different than what i envisioned what my first purchase would be but the 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 area trumped all of that you know, you could say, well, sure. he's only got access from this side or that side. You only got a couple ridges to hunt and a lot of it's bottom ground. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. It's in the right general area. Mm-hmm. So from a habitat perspective, I wanted to have Forrester come and, and, and give me an idea of like, what is the age of what I have here? What are my deficiencies? What are my, uh, ben- what are the, what are the benefits or things I could improve? Um, what are some of the programs I could I could help uh, get cost share back as I'm as I'm coming out here and spending a lot of time improving it? Right. Is there a way that I can I can receive a benefit from improving the habitat? Um, so um, that was my really my first step, and then and then bringing Adam uh, on yep. to to get his his take as well, you know, because I think it's important to have a couple different opinions. Uh, sure, you know when it when it comes to that, so. I really wanted to just assess what I have and yeah. then figure out, okay, well, what are my goals? My, my yep. personal goals with that with that specific property are not to raise, uh, you know, and have a marketable timber sale. Sure. Yep. Um, yep. My, my goal of buying the place was to have awesome whitetail hunting, the, the possibility to have some great whitetail hunting. So improving making doing doing improvements and manipulating the habitat so that it could enhance the hunting experience was my my ultimate goal definitely and and with that being said it's 42 acres oak hickory dominated timber dominated um you're going to do some timber stand improvement probably going to knock out some some food plots probably get aggressive in some areas on some slopes for for that level or amount of tsi but all with the idea of, okay, hey, here's access, here's um, potential stand location, here's the pinch points that mapping has told you over the years, here's where they're at, let's build, let's build out around them and go forward. So 
you, you've got some information, right, from um, Forrester, from, from Adam, and then you start chunking away at stuff. Um, that actual, let's say, implementation side, instead of planning side now, the implementation of that habitat improvement, what was that experience like? Because that can be, it kind of goes back to like the, when you sign your name to that dotted line of a contract or, um, you know, you're, you're, you've got a loan on this place. It's like, okay, here I am. I'm getting ready to start cutting the trees that I just have bought and paid for. I better make sure I'm doing this right. Was, was there a little anxiousness around that? Cause I think some of the, the hardest things for landowners to do is actually just get started with it. Just see that change because you've already fallen in love with the place. Like you walk around it and you're like, oh, I can see things happening here. But then you start changing the way it looks. It's like instantly, am I doing this right? Am I making a mistake? Those thoughts just creep right into your head. So it's going to be very relevant for people. Uh, but, but walk us through that phase. Yeah. So before I did all of this, I will tell you, and this is the God's honest truth, that I watched about every timber stand improvement, um, chainsaw video that you guys put out, okay, Yeah. on YouTube and, and, and listen to your podcast. Anything that had to do with a chainsaw or timber and fire, I, I listened to all of it ahead of time. And I remember Good. the... Good. I remember the... the um, one of the things you, I remember you talking about how somebody's going to, if you're going to do it right, you're going to make an absolute mess in the timber and you're going to cut a lot of stuff down and you're going to think, oh sure. my gosh, what did I do? You're like, so I was already prepared sure. for that, right? Good. Instead of like, just, oh, yep. I'm just going to stroll in there and cut everything. And then like, oh my gosh, I'm in shock. What did I do? Right. <laughs> so I was already yeah. prepared for that, but I, I will, I will yep. tell you that I have a couple clients that I would consider have like, like there's a lot of my clients over the years that like I can, they have a night, they've awesome walls, right? A lot of serious bucks that they've right. killed, but they've sure. got a couple, a couple that stand out above the rest. And, and yep. one of the consistent things that they, you know, three of them do is that they are working on their timber consistently and cutting it yep. and burning it in different parts every year right they don't yes. look at timber as a set it and forget it right just let it yeah. go big mature timber is beautiful and great and grand like no they're, they're constantly trying to get mother nature to regenerate herself because it, it provides amazing cover as as, yep. as uh in the early stages and it provides very important brows right and so yes. so I was I already knew that the deer are gonna love this when if I do it and if I go hard at it. So um, once we were actually there, like implementing the plan of where we mapped what we were gonna cut, the, the different ridges and slopes we were gonna cut. I mean, it was it yeah. was just more of a hey, okay, we're gonna go here and and we're gonna try to accomplish these two ridges today. Come back do these hillsides tomorrow and then next week we're going to work on cleanup. Right. Um, right. So we had a good plan. I had, I had help yeah. with um, my dad and then, and then Micah helped me as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had, I had good help with that and, uh, it looked very bare dude. 
it looked very bare whenever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a drastic change, right? Mm-hmm. But the goal was to open up the sky, get that sun to hit the ground. So yeah. uh, over time, I know it's going to really ch- start to change and, and look different there. Um, I've been on some farms that had like a heavy cut like five years ago. Like not clear cut, but like a really serious sure. logging project. And it's just like crazy. I mean, yeah, you, you can't yeah. tell much from the map, but whenever you're there at ground level, there's deer jumping. I mean, you're bouncing deer 15 oh, yeah. feet away because they're, hold, they're holding tight. They're they holding just, tight. There's all kinds of trails. There's briars. There's, you know, shrubs. And, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's their world at five yeah. feet and below. And, and yep. when you're cutting the dickens out of your timber, you're you're setting up what that next five years or ten years is going to be like. Right? Absolutely, absolutely, right. It's that implementation phase, and then you get into the maintenance phase once that's created with the prescribed fire, just to keep it perpetually in that state and not let it advance or progress too far down the road where you start to lose out of that value that you created. So. Um, and going back to what you've learned from the, your clients who have been really successful is like, it's a constant management to, to keep it in that state. But man, once you can understand that and grasp that and honestly visualize it too, and good for you for going and, and looking at all those resources, Whitetail Properties, uh, their YouTube page, the Land Beat section has got tons and tons of videos, um, that, we've done but also many other people have done that showcase tsi so those listening who aren't familiar with what it looks like maybe apprehensive make sure you check that stuff out because you've got to get familiar with what it's going to look like if not you're going to scare yourself and you're going to stop but that like if, if you're not scaring yourself doing timber work then you're probably not doing it aggressive enough um mm-hmm. but good for you so so really that wasn't too much of a bump in the road or anything like that for you to get past it was i know what i need to do i visualized it i'm getting it done how long did it take you guys and maybe you haven't done all 42 acres but but how long did it take you guys to be able to implement um you know let's say the bulk of the timber timber work yeah 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 so we did 19 acres of crop tree release last year that was the official their official term mm-hmm. in the cost share program is crop crop tree release. Yep. And uh, you, for the listeners, you you identify the the, the uh, most promising, uh, best looking uh, tree that you want to keep your crop tree, if you will, and then you kill the the. The trees are, that surround it within a say a thirty foot uh, diameter or radius, yep. right, yep. Matt? Yep. So, somewhere along that distance. Anything so, competing with that canopy of that that crop yeah. tree out of here, gone. Yeah, yeah. So so what that does, it, it like in the goals of the government, they want to improve oak regeneration. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a a benefit. So so I'm making. I'm cutting and that's going to allow everything else that would be competing against the little acorns that are trying to grow into oaks. It's going to allow them to have a better chance. Yep. So the forest can survive, can, 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 
can continue. Um, but I think I'm not. I can't remember what you, what you asked me. But what I was going the road I was going down is like how how was it? Well, whenever yeah. whenever like I had the forester mark the trees for me. So okay, that, yeah. that was a big. I mean, he knew sure. that I was entry entry level. Like yeah. I've used a chainsaw most of my life, like helping my dad cut firewood. Sure. But but like you know, as far as when you're rolling through timber, you, you those trees have to be marked. You can't yeah. just be trying to make a call on every single one, right? So he he helped me with that. He explained to me what he was going to mark. Um, but a lot of what I was cutting was ironwood. Yeah. Yep. And ironwood is garbage, right? Ironwood Jump. is just, it's great for firewood and that's about it. Like it shades out everything else. Very shade it. tolerant tree. Yes. It, it grows in the shade and then yep. it, 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 it doesn't uh, allow, other things don't grow in its shadow, right? Correct. So, um, so... Like, I couldn't cut enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, once I got rolling, like, man, every cut, I'm making an improvement. Every cut, I'm making yes. an improvement. So, like, cutting those and then and then hickory, like, hickory doesn't serve a great purpose for wildlife. Yeah. Specific. Well, unless you're for, managing for squirrels and, and bears, but other, yeah, for whitetail okay. specifically, right? It, it, yeah. Nah, they so, can go. And, and, and like, and, like envision a timber where, where you're standing and you you look through and you can see the next ridge. Like you can see, yeah. you can see maybe not 200 yards, but you could see a hundred yards or, or more. And, yeah. and a lot of those trees are like literally that big and yeah. they just go way straight up in the air. There's not even any branches that, that, that are reaching out. They're just literally yep. sh- shooting Holes. up like toothpicks, like survive, trying to survive and, and catch sunlight. So yeah, you have all of this, all these poles that are just doing, and, and there's there's no ground, there's a pocket of multiflora rows here and there, but there's no other browse, right? Mm-hmm. So why would the deer be there? So yeah. it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's a pretty piece of land, whatever. But if I really want to invite and, and get deer to, to want to be here more or spend more time looking for does, I need to make a mess and I need yes. to let kind of hit a reset button on this stuff. So I, once I got rolling, I realized that it was going to look pretty bare for the first couple of years. But I mean, I already saw a drastic improvement from fall of 2022 to fall of 2023. I saw a big nice. change. Very good. From, from the, from the deer. Yeah. Using the property. And, and maybe you could speak on this. Um, did, was it, was it number of sightings or was it, behavior of deer in and around the down tree canopies and the cover um and the vegetation body language i think is so cool to watch when deer feel like uber comfortable and in the timber um a lot of people hunt deer on fields and they're always head up looking around always on edge it seems like but man if if you've tsi'd a place or gone in hunting after select harvest and you can watch deer feel very comfortable. You see them do some wild stuff, and it's just like a totally relaxed scenario. Were you able to see that change from one season to the next? Yeah, I would say that I didn't. I mean, in reality, not a ton grew this for this first year. Sure, yeah. Like I didn't get a lot of regrowth uh-huh. in like young saplings. Um, I got yep. some good stumps, stump sprouting, mm-hmm. um, and and inevitably you know more, 
the multiflow rows probably grew a little bit stronger in certain pockets and yeah like where i saw the where i saw the best where i saw the most used areas would have been the areas that i mainly like there were a couple pockets where i, I really i did a lot of hinge cutting mm -hmm. just it just naturally like like they said fell some trees girdle some trees and, and hinge some trees like like do a little bit of everything mm -hmm. and so like this one area like it just i just got to knocking these trees down and they're all kind of falling on each other and it's kind of creating this cool yeah. like horizontal lattice type thing and like oh i can see a deer bedding in here so i kind of went with that on this one ridge and i could i could see that ridge from where i hunted and it just inevitably the deer were just all they, they were just like back and forth through there Right. doing their thing bucks cruising in there and then there was one specific trail on the barbershop stand that that um it was just very a very uh specific trail they were taking out of that stuff and yeah they were they were comfortable in fact when i, I kind of look back on the hunt for bill and everything like i i was sticking probably sticking out like a sore thumb in that tree yeah yeah uh, but they didn't really care because i didn't hunt that area much like i was sure. pretty selective with where i hunted it but they were also in an area that they were already very comfortable so right um i i started to see glimpses of better daytime activity mm -hmm. and that was my ultimate goal you know, absolutely hopefully a mature buck comes through in daytime as as a hunter that's about all you can ask for is just more daylight usage of a 40 yep. acre piece just hold them during the day and you're going to have opportunities going to bed and leaving the bed before they may go out to larger ag fields but if you own 40 acres of timber i want to be a i want to be a bedroom like i, I need that is that is going to be a goal to hold deer um so that that's awesome that's on it on its way now one of the reasons of doing this podcast is because the hunt for bill um which is a, is a buck that you harvested on blackjack is live. It's out there now. Um, it's on Whitetail Properties YouTube page, so I encourage everyone to go and look at it and can see this this um, the hunt. But obviously, like the work that you've been doing. But I want you to talk about the hunt itself, how did it transpire, when it transpire, and then that feeling of like, man, we did it. Like this is this is one deer, but we've kind of gone through like buying that first ground, working it, hunting it, target deer. Walk me through that. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the first fall, uh, there was one deer that stuck out. It was a very unique deer. Um, it was kind of heavy, nice frame on them, a lot of points, kind of an abnormal rack. And what was cool is that like one of the plots we put a, like if I put a new plot in with the, with the dozer, actually pushed a little knob out uh, of brush, it would just be a, kind of a natural spot to mm -hmm. have a plot. And, and when we did that, we put a, a water hole in. And gosh, dang, that, that water hole. Water hole. Was like a, it was like a magnet. Yes. I mean, yes. you know. Anyways, uh, he started coming to that water hole. Mm -hmm. and i'm like man this is a sweet buck right here and he just looked he already looked i didn't have any previous history with him but he looked sure. at least to be five okay and yep. i've been around enough mature deer now to know that not every old deer 
five plus is a big body deer. Yeah. I've yeah. been around some six and seven year old whitetails that you could almost pick up and throw over the fence right after yeah. their field dress. Like, yeah. like it's not always, I mean, just like humans, right? Not every, we're not all old, built the same. We're really not, but looking at him, his mannerisms, um, Mass is a character that really does come with age, even though you're yeah. not supposed to score or age with rack. I get that, but normally when a deer's got funky mass going on and abnormal stuff, I mean they got some age on him, but it's just really his mannerisms. Yeah, and the general shape of his body that told me he was a mature buck. So I I hunted for him. I yeah, mean, I I sat there. Um, I I made a run at him uh, through some cold fronts in October. I'll, I'll be selective in October when I hunt. Yep. I mean, I love November, but I also don't want to burn myself out. I don't want to burn the stands out. But I got into an October groove there when we had some cold weather. Never did see him. There was a night when I hunted one plot and he was on the other. That was as mm-hmm. close as I got to him. And then I went through a stretch in, in November. Um, I killed another buck on a different farm um, on the 7th or 8th. Or, yeah, I think 6th, 6th of November maybe. And then we went back to blackjack and just logged the hours for him. And sure. I mean, we, we sat for a full week, dark to dark, right. trying to trying to get in front of this buck, and, and he was nowhere to be found. And, uh, really? Yeah, so I didn't know if he was just kind of a fringe buck or I blew him out of there. Right. I might have blew him out, out of there, too. So... Um, so, you know, I, I was he was on my mind for the, for the 23 season, and I... He he shed. I remember, so he did, he actually shed one of his sides in early December. I I do remember Interesting. that. It was like around yeah. shotgun season, he shed one of his sides, and then, you know, I ran cameras. You know, so fast forward after you know, all my timber work, we burned the timber. So everywhere we cut, we burned. Yep. Which I'm going to burn again this year to kind of it'll clean up a lot of that. Like sure. a lot of that debris that we knocked over last year, but there was just so much leaf litter there. Yeah, yeah, you could carry on a fire. that place, right? Could carry a fire, right? So, anyways, like did all of our habitat work, start running cameras in the in the summertime, and and he I didn't have them, you know. So, you know, in the back of your mind, you're wondering, you know, is this am I gonna see him in the fall? Is he gone? Sure. Is he, you know? these deer do a lot of unpredictable things. Yeah. And especially on 42 acres, like you can only go out so much to be able to try and figure out he's coming from here. I think that's core area. I'm not core area. You you're limited. So really you're kind of forced in what, in a good way to like, I just need to keep this thing as fresh and secure and as attractive as possible and just hope that he's going to make this shift again going into the next year. Yeah. That's a really good point. So you could look at it by like setting your expectations, right? Yeah. But I think it's important to try to really wrap your head around like the scale of a deer's range, yeah. right? And that's something that you can't really, like unless you hunt a lot of acres or you had a chance to hunt a big expansive farm or ranch and, and track these deer, what they do, like, man, deer do, they go far. Long ways. They go pretty, pretty Whatever. far. Like, yeah. Whatever you're thinking, double it. I mean, it, yeah. like, it, it, it's it's not like two ridges over. It's like no four ridges over. He could easily be there. Though I've got a, I've got my house sits on like right at forty acres, and I lease kind of this long, unique shaped place. And 
just the the bouncing back and forth of the way deer move from one to the other it's like it's not really an easy way for you to get from here to there, but you're doing it and you're doing it consistently. And it's 100% mm-hmm. the same the same deer. Three quarters of a mile is nothing. It's nothing. And, I mean, the three quarters of a mile for, I mean, that can be a four or five hundred acre farm, right? Yeah. The deer can just stroll yeah. right through the, from, from the north end to the south end on yep. a 15 minute walk to, to an evening plot, right? So, yeah. so we get caught up in our, you know, life and death debates in our head of am I going to go hunt the north stand or am I going to go hunt the west stand yeah right like oh my god like you're he's either there or he's not there like that whole mentality of how we micro analyze stand locations and and it's it's like if he's not right around here he he's out of our world Right. right right but to 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 realize how much distance they can cover and yes they could be bedded four ridges away and stroll on into your place because he likes going to that green patch first Mm -hmm. bite i mean so so i think knowing that that deer like yes if i was going to catch him it would be nothing for him to walk through my 42 acres like in a matter of four minutes right but if i was going to catch him i was just going to keep it simple he seemed to like this one area more i'm going right. to wait for the right conditions and, and and go in there and hopefully just hopefully just match what i think will be good conditions for daytime movement versus where he is historically like to to be sure yeah so i think that we can i think that we can i mean we can all over analyze everything Right? But, yeah, but when I was hunting to hunt this deer this fall, it was going to be really simple. Like, get out there on a good condition day. Don't plan on going out there every single night for a week straight. Just yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, it, hopefully, it, you're just out there at the right time. Right time. Cameras in the right location. So if I, if you don't visually see him, hopefully you'll pick him up and be able to make those right calls, right decisions to for future sits. But um that's it it's like pick pick the days where you know the deer are going to probably move the most in daylight high pressure days uh preceding um or after a front and kind of go from there and you know hedge your bets on probability because you can't overhunt a 40 you you, you just can't like deer are going to wisen up especially if you're holding those deer on that 40 they're going to get they're going to figure this thing out relatively quickly like just keep it fresh hunt the right days make those good decisions and see how the cards unfold. Um, I often see people do the opposite though on small acres. It's like, I've got to pound it because they're here. It's like, that's probably not the best scenario on that 40. But yeah. um, anyway, so, so what, do, do you, do you see him on camera? Does he surprise you? Or do you, do you first lay eyes on him? Like, Oh my gosh, that he's back. He's there. Yeah, so I never did see him in person um, uh, until the day I killed him. But gotcha. But, but uh, I so we got a picture of I got a picture of him or a video. I was running a video on, on my Reconics and and uh, I think it was. Oh. Uh, my my camera died, so I'm still live still here. Recording. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You're good. Yeah, so, it might be a black screen, okay. but I'm still here. Okay. Cool. Uh, 
yeah, October 16th, I think, was the first uh, motion of him in front of one of my cameras. Gotcha. And, uh, I mean, he he was there making a scrape in the middle of the afternoon. Nice. And I'm like, man. And, I mean, immediately I knew it was him. Yeah. Very similar characteristics, but he got tighter and heavier. Mm. Mass is my favorite feature out of, yes. out of the racks. Like, I was just jacked across the board you know i got history with this deer he's a mature buck he's got some mass now and he's daylighting on the place i'm like oh yeah. my gosh this is this might set up really well and uh like last year he did this he 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 like there was a very short window of time in late october it's like the 20th to the 25th where he daylighted a couple times got on it. that same on that same scrape right um, but then it was like after that he was gone. So I'm thinking I better get there while he's mm-hmm. on his, you know, there's that, there's that period of time in late October where they, they're on a very good routine with scrapes. Yeah. They, yeah. they are, they're, they're, in, uh, they, it's like, it's like they got a job to do, but then they don't want to be too far off of clocking in for the man. Like they're very Correct. predictable if, yes. if it's unpressured. Like, yep. it, like there's a lot of factors that can blow them out, out off of that, but if you just keep keep off of them, um, they will be regular, yes. right? But yep. then whenever that time of the year coincides with good weather, then you can then you ha- can tell yourself like, yeah, I'm going to make the two hour drive over there and for for a two hour sit or a three yes. hour sit, like because oh, yeah. I like there's a good chance he could come through. Very much so, and yeah. and uh, so uh, now you know people. It seems like it seems like many people will like once the calendar turns to November, it's like okay, we're in a different phase, right? Mm-hmm. We're in a different, you know. Now it's the rut because it's November, and and I don't. I haven't observed that as much. Yeah. That yeah. that first week of November to me is like peak scrape yes. to where you start to see some you start to see some does um you know being pursued, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um there's already does coming into heat, right? But those bucks are still they're not totally just just going random and running all over yeah. the place in early yeah. November, right? They're still scraping in early November. Yep. yep, scraping, and if they encounter a doe, they're going to go up and check her. But most likely, she she's probably not receptive enough to have that full-on chase. Um, but, but, yeah, they're going to scent check. But, man, part of scent checking is checking scrapes. They just they might just get lucky and have the visual side of a doe and be able to oh go and check her specifically, but scraping activity from the twenty fifth through seventh of November. I mean, I, it's like narrow focus yeah. of like this is where we need our attention. Yeah. Trail cameras better yeah. be on them, and, and there better be sets over over uh, the travel corridors where there's a lot of scrapes. Yeah, and and they're they're. They're they're walking in the daytime to, yeah. to get to the next to, to get to the next scrape. Like they they have a circuit of scrapes that they're checking, and like you're seeing daytime movement, not because they're chasing does yet, because they're 
they're they're starting to like they've prioritized in their mind like instead of just laying down until it's almost dark and then going to my food source, right? right yep. I'm go- I'm going to prioritize establishing my dominance. Mm-hmm. So so that first week of November to me is less like it's still way it's still pre rut, right? Yeah, I mean it's still pre rut and it's and like he continued to scrape at the pond there like a little there's a little junky pond and it's cool they scrape on the dam of the pond it's, it's oh, actually nice. pretty sweet and i got a stand it's obviously where that where that pond is the draw leads up and the, the right. tip of the the draw was dammed a long time ago so it's holding yep. water right and because of that draw the deer just naturally want to check the pond dam out they'll go get sure. a drink and then like it's pretty deep like right behind me Yep. So it's like yep. all of those different ingredients where they're naturally just kind of kind of cruise around that corner, and I got to stand yep. right at the head of that draw. So um, uh, that area I thought was going to be high odds if we had, if, yeah, that area I thought was going to be high odds to encounter him. Sure. Um, and, and you know, we ended up going out in uh, I think it was the eighth, maybe the eighth of November. Possibly, yeah, because Mike had killed on the seventh, and I, I got him the next day. So, we we actually were running late. Um, okay. Classic, right? Oh but, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> rarely, rarely are we on time. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, at least me, I guess I'm always procrastinating when it comes to you know a hunt. It seems, but we get out there. Um, I shoot my bow a little bit because I just wanted to go through that. Um, and I'm walking up the road to go to the stand. And uh, and then Micah's behind me. Micah is my cameraman, but he's also, uh, you know, he, he films listings for, for our real estate business. He he films my hunts. He helps helps me with managing a couple big farms. Uh, yep. You know, he's just a, he's my right-hand man. And yeah. And, and so he's he's with me, and I'm actually looking over at the neighbor's field because I was, I was trying to figure out, like, man, if brassicas over there? Is that just a cover crop? Yeah. Or are those just weeds in the – yeah, like, yeah. I'm trying – I just – I'm just trying to see what's going on in the – like, one of my competing against right across the road here, I'm just, like, standing in the road ditch looking at the greens that are in the, uh, in the soybeans, and I hear a grunt, and I turn around, and I see – I see this nine – I could see a rack and like this nine point. I recognized him, and so like I had just hunkered down, just right. You know, reaction to a grunt. Reaction to it, and Micah says it's Bill, and so I'm like, I look, and sure enough, I like he he turns and like he's got this really gnarly right side, and he turns and like there's this big claw that like mm-hmm. swings around. I'm like, oh my gosh, it, it's Bill, right? And then there's a right. doe right there. Well, these two bucks are squaring off with each other. Oh man with this doe right here at the road, like where we're going to walk into the property. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh man, he's going to try to walk right across the road and then we're going to be screwed. Right. But right. The doe sees us, turns around and books it and, and he follows her and they go into blackjack into that plot area, like around the corner. So, um, so anyways, we, we, that was pretty intense and we're like, okay, then I debate in my head, should I just go, like, what if they're right around the corner in the food plot? 
Sure. I got like a little half acre green plot. In, in there. So uh, I decide let's just go being that this dough's like hot in the area, like instead of just blowing deeper in there to the barbershop stand, I'm just going to sit on the corner of the food plot. I got a stand right there. It's way less intrusive. And we're just going to observe, see what's yeah. going on. And that's what we did. We, 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 we got up in the corner of the plot and uh, it was very light wind. And there were a couple deer we could see. Like we actually got in there, got up in. There were deer like out there that didn't see it not in the plot but on the fringe sure. of the plot that yeah. were bedded down probably got up because of the commotion of bill running through yeah. and so they were up and it was like oh we, we we got in here good like i felt good like that validated that we didn't blow anything sure. else out so we just hung out there for a little while and this young buck comes in to check the scrape in the middle of the plot and he smelled us and it was like our wind Uh-oh. is not going that direction you know yeah but yeah the you could just tell it was probably eddying in there so we just you know we just encountered bill i I, you know blew him towards the area i was gonna try to hunt right and we go in the different stand we end up getting smelled this is like you know it's like over two hours sounds like one of my hunts (laughs) it was like like you know classic november fiasco yeah yeah and and we're just sitting there and there was like three hours left in the day and I'm like maybe, maybe there's I don't know, coming on two hours we're like, let's just go move over to the stand that we were we came here to hunt like yeah yeah this isn't working getting smelled cool. in the plot like even if he comes in we're just gonna educate him and I won't For get sure. a shot right we might see him but what's that I mean I'm trying yeah. to run an arrow through him not see him so, yeah it's it's November I'm trying to kill this thing yeah, so we we shimmy down, scoot across. It's all it's moist, so we could be real quiet. We go down, yeah. pop into the barber stand. Sure enough, we there were a couple of does in there, and we scared them. And like, oh man, who knows if he he's gone or not now? But I felt better because our wind was better. It's yeah. like okay, well if I'm only going to hunt for another hour and a half, two hours, like at least I'm in a spot where I sure won't get winded. Yep. So it was a it was a calculated risk, but um, it turned out to be a great move. Nice. I I, I was uh, we had a Zoom call with Kate's or uh, Kate and I had a Zoom call with our son's teacher. Yep. For uh, like a parent teacher conference type thing, like review how Jack's doing in school, and I don't I didn't want to miss that. And the yep. beauty of technology and earbuds, I could right on <laughs> participate participate in that right. Mm-hmm. I don't ever. I don't ever want hunting to like disconnect me from my like. Not that that's a milestone, but like that's a priority. My yeah. son and my family yeah, yeah. are a priority, and and even though these whitetails are, right, they've got to live in harmony. That's so it. me taking me taking a Zoom call in the stand. I'm fortunate from technology to be able to, to do that. Absolutely, and it, it might have made me a little less focused with yeah. maybe a the deer that were out there, but it, it worked, right? I mean, yeah. we, we accomplished our meeting with Jack's teacher. I participated in that. And it was like, it was all meant to be because I popped the earbuds out, put them in my pocket and like started talking with Micah, like, Oh man, this was probably too aggressive. We blew this deer out. You know, I would, I think we blew him out. Uh, you know, 
and it was just like I said my whatever was on my pessimistic mind at the time <laughs> and turned around and and uh, there he is it, like to the north like yeah. I don't know 100, 120 20 yards to the north wow you know we could just see him in, I mean we knew immediately it was yep it was him so uh, and then from there it was overdrive I mean he was walking towards he was walking towards that hinge cut area where mm, the does yeah. were going. So like the does right. were walking away from us into that hinge cut area. He f- was following them. Yep. Um, and, and once they go up in there, like there's no reason that they're just going to come over in front of us. So I, I called at him. Right. I have called a decent amount of deer in here. Um, like, I feel like I got a pretty good read on like when to call, when not to call. And so, uh, I, I, I contacted him twice with a point. <clears throat> Yep. And he actually looking back at the footage, he he heard that second grunt and I think he jumped the fence to commit after I grunted at him. But he was behind trees I couldn't tell, so I snort wheezed at him as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I made him aware of a challenger and yep. and and uh here his ears are pinned back and here he comes. Oh I, yeah. I mean he's just coming right in and so the the footage my, my, of this hunt and I watched it. it was like after that grunt and snort wheeze, that deer was, it, he didn't know it, but he was dead when he decided I'm going to that. And, and he just like dead March. One thing was on his brain and it was really impressive to see that deer just commit 120 yards to go directly to your tree and and it was directly to the tree <laughs> it was uh uh so to me the the most pinnacle experience for a bow hunter is knowing that the deer is knowing that the animal is coming in mm-hmm. like you, you you you're and it takes some experience to get to like things slow down they don't pick up and you tell yourself like he's coming in you're going to get a shot opportunity keep your nerves down like when you can talk yourself through that like have that amount of time like knowing like this is about to go down that's the pinnacle experience of bow hunting in my opinion yeah yeah executing the shot and then what happens after the shot is is you know that you've you've hit the peak and, and and then from there it's it's there's it's a different part of the story but that moment like i remember saying be with me mm-hmm. telling myself that i guess reaching out to god to keep me calm but also right. just be with me let mm-hmm. me appreciate let me appreciate soak this, this next 13 seconds right right and you can hear in his footsteps are more magnified Mm-hmm. You know, in my mind, I can I can still hear his footsteps. Like, like all of that is like the experience we're hunting. Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's cool when they're on the wall. Show your show them off to your buddies and reminisce about the hunt, and you know, try to collect these deer. Uh, you're collecting memories. You're collecting experiences. So you're right. When he was coming in, and like you said, he's like he's a dead deer. Like I knew that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that from an arrogant standpoint. Like yeah. I knew it was all meant to 
be what was about to be right yep. now like like it, it's almost like you knew the end result with the body language like it was just like mm-hmm. this all this is going to do is come down to me putting an arrow where i need to now yes. it's just if you will like being super hyper aware of okay his next move he's going to come through here mm-hmm. uh, he's taking that trail okay shots now and make it but like it mm-hmm. i don't know when when he turned it on it was like there's no doubt he's getting in range he didn't slow yeah. down pace wise he, although like going through some and over some tops and over a little bit of kind of weird knobs and whatnot it was just he was just getting to the tree and that was again that was just super cool to watch in that footage and then yeah. like I'm, i know you've got it in your mind and it'll never leave you from a memory standpoint. But I love, obviously, good, clean video. And, and it's bright daylight. Like, plen- like it's not even close to dark, it didn't seem like. But super clear, like, footage and everything. But the audio of him picking up, like, and walking. Like, you could feel the intensity of those steps as he's closing in in the video. Yeah. And it's like... yeah. Tell me this is November without telling me this is November. Just in, I could have closed my eyes. I was like, I know what's happening. Yeah. That's how yeah, I mean, like rich of a moment it was. It sure was. Yeah, the colors were great. I mean, the audio, like we used good audio equipment. You could hear me breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hear him coming in. Uh, you know, I say, be with me, right? I mean, it's like the heat of the moment. And he's going to come, he's going to come down this trail that all these other deer have been using that the stand the stand sets up for and uh he and he he makes a turn right i come to full draw i'm ready for him to come across this trail and he he turns and he goes like he's gonna just cross and jump the the ditch behind us right so um so when that happened he was at like he was like at i think third 13 yards, 15 yards, maybe. Gotcha. And, and I, uh, and, and once he turned, like I had a very small window from where I was going to, like once he would go into the ravine, I wouldn't have a shot opportunity after that. Yeah. So when he turned, I stopped him. Mm -hmm. And, and when I, I stopped him and I, he, he turned towards me. Like he, he was like almost broadside and I pro- I, sh- I sh- could have shot him walking, but I, I don't like to shoot deer. Yeah. Walking. Yeah. So I, I just habitually stopped them, yep. try to settle my pin on them. Well, when he turned, he wasn't facing straight on. He was like quartering, but he was such a sharp quarter that I didn't want to gut shoot him. Like try, try to yeah. put it towards his lungs, but then gut shoot him. Yeah. Like I, I wasn't like my pin landed right off center of his chest. Yeah, right. And not not the point of the shoulder, but just interior of that. Yes. So I wasn't trying to like shoot him in the throat. Yeah. Or like center mass, like just right. to the side a little bit. Now, I hit, I hit high. Mm-hmm. I hit higher than what I expected. Yeah. Um, it was close. I I'm sure I rushed a shot a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Um. So I I didn't hit him exactly where I I I wanted to hit him. Even though yep. it was like right in that, like I purposefully shot him where I did, but I didn't purposely aim that high. 
Yeah, yeah, you were four inches higher than probably what you wanted, three, four inches higher. Entry. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, Boom. Shot goes off. Uh, He jumps across the ravine. Uh, He starts running parallel along the parallel of the ridge, but on the hillside, like from he's like the shot happens, and then he next thing you know he's another hundred and some yards out. But then he just stops. He's standing there. So he made his kind of first jumps sure. of like fear and what the heck was that? And then yep. he stopped. And that's when I could really assess what was going on. And uh, I I mean, Micah and I just talked through it. I mean, you can see sure. it all in the video. Like like we weren't – we talked through the <laughs> shot. I'm not going to like re- repeat everything we said yeah, here. Yeah. But like we talked – like he and I talked through what happened there and like trying to wrap our heads around – where did I hit this deer? Yep. What like what's his status? And we we both agreed like man he is he is hurt bad. Yeah. Like, we, yeah. Whether it's going to be lethal right now or he toughs it out for a while, I don't we don't know. Yeah. But the end result was going to be the same. Yeah. M- most likely. I mean, yeah. but then when we so like I didn't see him go down, so we waited for a little while. He went along. He went along the nose of the ridge and was gone. And we just chilled for a little while. Got down, checked the arrow out, and got out of there. Right. Because being that it was an unconventional shot, uh, wasn't a and twelve ring him and passed through and sure. It's like yeah, guaranteed, all but guaranteed. Like there was skepticism whether we sure. were, what his situation was so we decided to back out and give him the night instead of right. bumping him and pushing him just hopefully he goes over there and lays down and dies quickly sure you know? so let me get my charger real quick okay okay yeah guys i i hope that uh everyone has a chance to be able to take a few minutes and go and watch the hunt i it, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's just like one of those epitomes of um, November bow hunting, and the scenery is gorgeous. And obviously, it's a successful hunt. But um, just seeing that type of reaction from whitetail to super close distance, I just I love I love seeing that, and uh, it it definitely is is worth the time to go and check it out. I'm back, buddy. Cool. Thank so you, you get sorry you, everybody. You give him the you give him the night. You come back um, probably relatively early that that next day to pick up the trail. Yeah, so we go home, try to get some rest, uh, come back, and just we had a nice day to track. I was optimistic about having a good solid, you know, at good sunny conditions. It didn't yeah. rain. Yep. If, I was, if it was going to be a long tracking day, I mean, it was I was going to be able to to see through it, and uh, and so we we got on the trail and 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 followed it pretty quickly. I mean, we found him we found him pretty quick, honestly. Yeah. How far do you, um, how far did he make it from the shot of impact? I think I think Micah tracked him about three hundred yards or so. Okay, gotcha. He betted he betted once. And then he got up and went 
to like the last spot. I mean, I found him in the bottom of the ravine, but then after we were taking him out, we could see there was one other pool of blood that he stood at. Um, right. And probably probably fought it until he just dropped over the side. Sure. Um, um, so we, you know, he was stiff as he was stiff, and then the he was missing his tail. So I, gotcha. I guess a, it was probably a possum or something. Yeah. Got after him in the nighttime. So I, I felt I felt like he died quick. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, I can't I can't say for sure. Like, oh, he died within two minutes of me arrowing him or not. I don't, I don't know that. Um, Right. 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 He was dead for a while when we found him. Mm -hmm. And from there it was just, uh, you know, it was, uh, just, uh, an amazing complicated feeling of (laughs) being excited, being excited about chasing the deer to, to, uh, finally catching up to him and, 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 and finding him and, but there was a long, long road to get to that deer, you know, get to yeah. that piece of ground. And so it was just a, it was an extremely rewarding, satisfying, sad, happy, grateful feeling all at the same time. Yeah. And that's, that's such a, a unique and fun mix of emotions. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast is cause like I, I knew, you know, a lot of the backstory, um, which, you know, you think you think about it, it's like from 2014 making the move to, to 2022 or 23, mm-hmm. like that, that, I mean, that's almost that's like a decade, right? Of dreaming, putting this plan together, saving, sacrificing all the things that like everybody else is doing. Like you could go and youtube and just start scrolling and come across this hunt and see all this stuff come together and just be like must be nice but dude like that's not the backstory that a lot of people have and when you put that much into from a passion thing of land and uh, like every single thing that you know your life your walk your sacrifice all these things you know it's hard not to be like this is this is what it's all about. Like this is the the pinnacle type moment of that. The story is you know isn't over, but like the things that we've set out to do. Here's like the kind of a, a culminating moment, let's say, of what we've are passionate about, but just like have been dreaming of, and there it is, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I definitely, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just high level of appreciation. I mean, yeah, yeah. To, to put a lot of, a lot of work into, to put a lot of work into achieving a goal of, for example, owning land, uh, and then to not only do that, but then make improvements toward the goal of having a great hunt or some great hunts there, let alone killing your, you know, he's score doesn't matter to me, but I, I mean, he is my highest scoring deer. He doesn't, sure. that doesn't mean he's my best deer, you know, my, yeah, yeah. my, you know, that's, that's, I don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but I mean, every deer means the world to all of to us. Right. Yeah. Um, he was one that was meant, meant means a lot. 
and uh, was a, a very good representation that I will cherish yeah. uh, of uh, you know the, the journey that eventually led me to holding him. Uh, I will appreciate that journey just as much as I appreciate you know, his, his rack. I mean, yeah. Here he is right here. It's awesome to be able to hold oh, him. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and uh, you know, re reminisce about, uh, you know, the, the feelings he gave me, the like, ups and downs. And then this thing represents, uh, you know, uh, a goal of buying a little patch of ground here. I mean, it's it's good stuff. And I, I, I hope people that are listening that have goals of owning land someday and kind of, you know, replicating a story like this, man, I, you can do it. And I, yeah. I, I, uh, I, many of you will, will achieve the same feeling. Right. And, uh, me being able to help people, uh, take that first step, getting them a farm is, is, uh, very re rewarding, um, stressful, rewarding, but, it's just a great way to live, man. Land yeah. is land is just land just gives you land is everything I know, to, man. to mankind. You know? Like, so it's not yeah. even just about these big deer. It's about the the memories you can grow on it, the goals you can set, trials and tribulations, the investment side, the the way of life, uh, all of these things, what it can provide you, land is just um, it's it's the it's the epitome of uh, what's good for us i think yeah yeah I, I, the the draw and attraction to to lands like i yes i'm a bow hunter yes i'm a whitetail hunter but at the end of the day it's like i i just love being on land and working with it right to like all the degrees like bow hunting and and chasing a whitetail is very specific when it comes to just land in general but I just have a passion for all of it in November or October. The hunting season is just a time we get to chase it. But um, like yourself, it's just there's not a month or week out of the year that I'm like, no, I don't put me on land right now. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. silly for it all the time. And and I, I just, yeah. when you're able to have those full circle moments and hunts like, like you did for that deer, um, yeah, you sit back and my mind traces yours does it goes back to the journey of all those things that took place to get you to get you there and and i so many times in life i feel like um hardly do we ever just slow down and and reminisce and and ponder like the journeys that that we've been on um my wife and i have had some unique um challenges and, and whatnot in, in our own life and uh, a couple times where we just had to like sit down and look at what has taken place and it's a whole other podcast I'm going to get into here hopefully this coming year but it's one of those times where it's like you have those unique moments in time where it's like you can literally go back and be like I am so blessed but like all these things that transpired to be here to, in this moment is why we have, there's like a hunger in our belly for these things, right? And uh, I feel like if you don't reminisce, though, like you you slow down and think about it, you don't you don't learn and appreciate 
how to do it again and again and again and or bring other people along on that journey because if it meant a lot to you like you want to share that because you have this mm -hmm. massive amount of respect for what took place mm -hmm. yeah it's just a it's just a canvas to 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 grow and experience mm -hmm. and learn you know, learn yourself learn about yourself learn learn i mean it's it's uh it's like what you make of it right yeah. so for me like like right now i want i mean even up i mean until bill and bill's not the finale by any yeah. means but like my goal was to own a piece of ground work on it improve it put my own touch on it and then shoot a deer off of it. yeah kill a, kill a buck off of it mission accomplished now my next mission which is going to be a whole new chapter in of itself is to take my son out hunting. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I have, uh, he's been along with me pretty much since the beginning when he could, I could strap him into my chest and we could go take a walk for sheds. Sure. Yeah. And, and he shot his first doe and his first buck this year. Nice. And he's, the fire is lit now. So oh, yeah. like those hunts for me and like being able to go out in the woods not either by myself or with Micah or my dad. Like now, I'm taking my son. And mm -hmm. That whole experience is a little bit different, but it's yeah. it's it was awesome and exciting to have those hunts. And now he looks forward to it. It's like we can do this on on our own land. Yeah, right. We we totally we can uh, we can just go down there and play in the creek. We can and skip rocks, right? Or we can we can go try to work with heavy equipment and create new food plots and, and dream about hunting, you know, a certain yep. area of the farm or whatever the case is. Like we could just go there and spend time away from the rest of the world. And that will impact a person a long time down the road. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think about, uh, you know, my childhood, it's like 90% of it was spent outdoors doing stuff like that. And it's like, I know it shaped me and, and um, influenced me greatly into things that, that I seek and desire right now. So it's like, I just want to be able to do that. Offer it as an, an opportunity for our children. It's like, maybe they'll take to it, maybe they won't, but at least it's an opportunity. And mm -hmm. if I can provide that, fantastic, fantastic. But yep. man, it's, it's, it's fun. There's so many full circle, like... Um, things that we could talk about on, on this podcast from, again, networking, growing businesses, to chasing a deer, to owning land, to passing it on. Um, but I, I, I appreciate you sharing the story because, I, I, again, I, I knew there was a story to be able to tell besides, hey, this is just a, a unique, fun hunt. Like, there's... Mm -hmm. These are the those those type of fulfilling moments or stories that it's like I just I want other people to be able to experience it we have our business to be able to work with individuals you have yours um, I'm glad we get to share them and they coincide sometimes but being able to share this story is like hopefully it's going to inspire people to buy land hopefully it's going to inspire them to share it with others um, to take time to reflect on their moments to maybe chase a dream that they have a passion um whatever it may be but you know 
I just I appreciate your your time and sharing it. Um, but I, I also want to give you the the last comment here on um, plugging yourself and and the rest of Iowa if if you choose to within Whitetail Properties because you you definitely have a a great um, I say disposition to work with people. Um, you you listen I feel like really really well. That's a skill set of yours to what people want and desire. Um, and I and I been around a lot of people agents um sometimes they can be pushy and i don't i don't see you as being a pushy person at all um you're there to assist and so i want people if they are interested to be able to work with you thanks thanks buddy that was a great compliment i really appreciate that um yeah i mean how i handle myself in real estate sales is how I would want to be treated. Right? Sure. And so, yeah, like the op- being the opposite of pushy, I think, is really what's allowed me to be successful because it's genuine. I want to help people. We've got to work through many things, right, when there's a yep. real estate transaction. And when I get hired by a seller, uh, I want to, no matter what their story was on the farm, I want to tell the story of that ground as much as I can Right, so that somebody yes. will appreciate it for what it could be to them. Sure, and sure. and so I think the way that we sell, we many of us market and advertise, sell land, work with our clients, whitetail properties, real estate is is unique. Yeah, and it's much more. Uh, it's it's just uh, we try to hire quality people. We don't hire quantity. Yep. Right? Um, we try to hire the right individual that's going to operate at the highest level. So I'm I'm proud of my of, of my team and of, of agents in the state of Iowa. Uh, we have a very dynamic team that covers the uh, nearly the entire state. Uh, certainly for recreational ground, a lot of experience here, um, but a lot uh, overall willingness to help people. Uh, with whatever they really want to buy. And, I mean, not everybody's a first-time landowner. There's sure. a lot of people listening to this that are experienced in buying and selling ground, 1031s. and yep. you know, So we're here to serve regardless of whether you're the aspiring first-time landowner or you're a, a, a veteran that's that's looking to make a move into a next-level farm. Uh, uh, so uh, you can you can reach us at whitetailproperties.com. You can find uh, this hunt for bill the bill buck uh on youtube on whitetail properties youtube page um you know i'm on social media uh kind of <laughs> this is social media but, yeah yeah but uh you know I'm, I'm you can find me on the website if anybody wants to reach out about anything with land i, I would be more than happy to to help you talk with you uh, I want to work for you if you're looking for ground in, in uh, eastern or southern Iowa. You know, wh- wh- one of us will be ready to help you if you're looking looking for ground here or you're considering selling. So, you find us. Yeah. Perfect, perfect, man. Well, again, appreciate your time. Um, I'll be seeing you in a couple a couple weeks. Oh, probably about yes, sir. a month or so. Um, but looking forward to it, man. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have a good time, and um, you guys. Probably we'll see some more content coming from that consultation on Whitetail Properties' YouTube page in the next few months. So make sure you guys are subscribing to that. 
um, and, and soaking in as much information as you can. Um, but we appreciate you listening to this podcast, and guys, we'll catch you here next week. Thanks again, Matt.